You are listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast with my husband, Steve Worsley, the toxic mold expert and your number one source for mold consulting and mitigation in the USA. Here is episode 99, Heating Homes with Radiant Heat. Before we get started on this episode, a short or not so short disclaimer. While all attempts have been made to verify the content provided in this podcast, neither the podcaster or the producers assume any responsibility for errors, omissions, or alternative interpretations of the issues discussed herein. All information stated in this podcast is the opinion of Steve Worsley. Steve Worsley is a mold specialist with over 20 years of experience in the construction and mold industry. The Toxic Mold Podcast is for information sharing purposes only. The views expressed are those of the podcaster and his alone. These views should not be taken as expert instruction or commands. While there may be references to medical conditions and symptoms, all solo podcast episodes are the opinion of Steve Worsley, and any medical questions or concerns shall be addressed with the appropriate licensed medical professional or professionals. As the podcaster refers to different mold types, please be aware that Steve Worsley is not a microbiologist, and questions concerning mold specifics should be answered by the appropriate professional. The listener is 100% responsible for his or her own actions. You can check out Steve's books on Amazon about mold and dealing with mold in your home at amazon.com forward slash author forward slash Steve Worsley. And if you're interested in scheduling a mold consultation over the phone consultation with Steve, you can be sure to find out more about those and his availability at cnccontractorservices.com. Now, let's get to the episode. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Toxic Mold Podcast. Steve, today we're talking about heating homes with radiant heat. What exactly is radiant heat? So when I refer to radiant heat, what I'm talking about is registers or radiators is what the proper term is. That's either at the baseboard or up on the the, uh, top of the wall that's heated by water or you know, some sort of, I'm not sure what the proper term is, but it's, it's, it's uh, I don't think it's glycol that they put in there, but anyhow, it's a liquid that's heated with a boiler and that's what heats the home. And there are still homes that have boilers and radiant heat? Oh yeah. Wow. Our neighbors, that's their home. Oh, okay. Theirs is all floor. Okay. So they run the water lines through their floor, but yeah, that's a lot more common than you would think. Wow. Cause to me, that seems like really old fashioned heating. <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> so the old fashioned ones, like, you know, if you go to your state capital or whatnot, those are the, um, and we have one down in the garage that's electric. Yeah. It has some sort of oil in it, but those radiators are a little bigger in the old homes. Yeah. The that, long that's, ones. yeah that's just how they, it's how they heated homes back then. Wow. That's- it, they were usually boilers uh, fueled by coal. Oh. So, you know, coal's kind of, you know, it's it, obviously it's a source of energy, but it's not it's not as prevalent as it used to. But, yeah, that, that's what they did in the old days. And you'd be surprised how, how common it is, especially garage floors, shop floors. Like I said, our neighbors, that's... Wow. And they keep, but they keep their house like 80 degrees all winter. <laughs> I don't know how you do that, but... But it's cheaper, so. Oh, is that okay? I was about to ask you that. Why would someone with the modern technology we have for all things, including heat today, still go with radiant heat? 
Well, and 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 uh, obviously, I'm not going to name names, but our neighbors do a lot of logging, and even before that, that they they did this. But what they have is, and, and I, I I've known people that have a the same setup, but they have a boiler. So just so our listeners know, we live out in the country, and so they have a boiler that's like on the other side of their shop, mm-hmm. and they go out there and they just throw fire in it, and it just it it burns all the time, and you can like I said, you can use coal, and so. You actually have that boiler that's not even in the same area as, as the home. Okay. So, so t- I guess my question is, what's the connection between if somebody's using radiant heat and mold? So, like I was saying, it, it's typically it's water. Not all, all systems have that. They could utilize different things, and I don't. I'm not in that, that field, so I don't really know. I'm not going to try to act like I know. But it's typically water. And we did a job. What year was that? Uh, 2017? 2017, yeah. Yeah. That's right. So we had, uh, in the middle of the winter, we got a call. It was a foreclosed property. And what had happened is the, the, the home was winterized. But the plumber, there were... Return lines. So with a boiler system, you have the lines that come in and the lines that... that it's like electricity. It's a full circuit. Mm-hmm. Well, what happened was they didn't they didn't uh, blow out the return side of, of the water lines, which was up in the attic. They left the water on, too. I don't know why. And the lines up in the attic burst. And the water ran, I believe I was told, for three days. Wow. And it was uh, it was a tiny town in Wyoming. In a town, I think, how many people live there, you think? Oh, Shoshone? I don't know. It's I don't maybe know. 500 people. Yeah, very few. Very few. But anyhow, it ran for days. And this, so our listeners just understand, this was a modular over a crawl space. Mm-hmm. And so the front steps, were, you know, you had like four steps, concrete steps. You go up to get into the house. Water was literally running out that front door. Wow. Before, before they got the water shut off, so it was a bad deal, and it took, uh, you know, it took quite a bit. I, I think the the finished cost on it was uh, like sixty seven. So I don't remember. It was over sixty grand. Wow. To do mitigation and rehab, but we literally most of the home had to be gutted. There were crawl space issues. It was it was just a bad deal, <laughs> and so that it's something. You know, people that follow us and have been for a long time, I have a picture of it on Facebook. That's right. There was so much water coming out of the soffits. So for our listeners that don't understand, that's where the eaves are on your house. So on your main level, just go over, you know, whatever highest level is, that overhang you have, that's where the water was coming out. So is a soffit and eave the same thing? Well, no, your soffit is the actual from the house itself, and then you have the overhang. Okay. The eave is here. The soffit is up here, if that makes sense. So it's between the eave and the house. Okay, it's the soffit. Yes. Okay. But there was so much water coming out of the soffit, and once again, our listeners that, that aren't familiar with how warm it stays in Wyoming, when it happened, it was like negative 30. Oh, yeah, it was disgusting. But it caused icicles from the eaves <laughs> clear down to the ground. It was bad. Yeah. And I have one of those pictures um, on Facebook and it just it just goes to show the gravity of what what really happened. And you know, I wanted to do this podcast because most people just go, "Oh, it's radiant heat; it shouldn't, we shouldn't have any issues." Mm-hmm. And you can, 
Yeah, because didn't you say water is the most destructive element to a home? Yes. I, it, it's, a, it's a saying I, or term I use all the time. It, it can cause structural concerns and obviously mold. Mm-hmm. And so I've, when you have a mold concern, that, that turns into medical issues. And yeah, water's just, besides your kids, water wreaks havoc on the home. <laughs> That's very, very true. So then what do listeners do if they have radiant heat? How do they prevent something like Shoshone or any other thing from happening in terms of mold? If it's a property that you're winterizing, you need to make sure that you winterize those lines properly. You blow out all the lines and you shut the water off. Okay. So that's what happened at that property. If the water would have been shut off, they would literally would have had a, a burst pipe up in the attic that they had to deal with, you know, a minor moisture intrusion event, if that makes sense. If the water was off, that pipe would have still broke. But it, it wouldn't have burst and been spewing water, if that makes sense. That does make sense. It, so my point is, is it would have been a minor plumbing defect that they had to fix versus gutting a whole home. And then another thing that they should have on them, but I've seen quite often where they don't have a pressure gauge on the boiler itself or the water line, which tells us if the pressure's not holding, there's a leak somewhere. Oh, Okay. Okay. So when you're when you're building a home or when you install that radiant heat system, if it's in the city and you have code inspectors, they will come out there and they'll they'll do a pressure test or leak test, however they want to word it. They put a gauge, you know, like your tire pressure gauge. They put a gauge on that water line, they pump up the air or the water to 80 psi. They leave for an hour and come back and make sure it hasn't dropped more than 5. Does that make sense? That does make sense. So it's just like your tire gauge. You know, if you if you check your tire and it's 35 PSI, you know this though, when it's cold, your pressures are gonna be lower. But anyhow, yes. if your if your car's just sitting, you check it, it's 35, an hour later it's 30, you know that something's leaking. Absolutely. So now obviously a pressure gauge is checking for pressure, but a humidity gauge is different and should be somewhere else, right? It should be in the same area. Okay. Typically, your boiler is going to be, you know, like I said, our neighbors, it's clear on the other side of their shop, but they still should have something in there. The, the luxury of having the boiler over there, just to kind of touch on that, is if something was to go awry, they, they shouldn't or wouldn't have a, a moisture intrusion event in their home. Because the boiler is so far. Yes. Okay. But if the lines had an issue, obviously that's inside the home. But the, the homes that have a boiler, they're usually just in a closet or mechanical room. Yeah, that's where you put your humidity gauge. Okay. They're cheap. You can buy them. We talked about a project we're working on, and I I looked at pricing on them, and you you, you can buy like a 12-pack for $30 off of Amazon. They're they're not expensive. Wow. So you just just want to know what the humidity is doing in there. For the listeners that are fairly new, you do not want your humidity to be above 50%. Okay. Because at 60%, Mold will start reproducing. Exactly. That's the best environment for them. Should you have a humidity gauge on each floor of your home? We've talked about humidity gauges. And so where I where I always recommend them, I, I would have one. So we'll, we'll just like talk about where, where we live. Like I would put one in the dining room. Then I would put one down in the laundry area. And then I would put one probably in the master bathroom in the master or the, the main hallway bathroom. 
Okay. But yes, at least every level, but mainly, especially mechanical rooms, um, anywhere around a water heater, uh, crawl spaces, you can buy, um, and I'm not sure what we paid, but the little contraption we have in the weight room, mm-hmm. you can buy those where it's a, I'm not even sure I'm saying, using the right terminology, like a, a split system where we actually have a sensor outside. So it tells us what the humidity is outside. Okay. Something like that would be very handy to put in your crawl space or your attic. Why, why in the crawl space or the attic? Because you're, so the sensor we have is outside. Okay. But if I put that in the crawl space, we can see on the screen. Oh, okay. In the weight room, what, what the humidity is doing down in the crawl space or the attic and, I say that because most people don't like to go in the exactly. Crawl space that the that sounds like a good idea. Wow, yeah. So you don't have to actually crawl down there with the, all the things that live. Yeah, there. and look at the gauge itself. Yeah. I, I, my point is, is if, if you're just not going to see it like you would if you have that little uh, display on your wall and then the the sensor outside. Okay, that. That makes a ton of sense. So, what's your what do you think listeners should do if they have radiant heat? Just in terms of any other tips on mold pre- mold prevention? Make sure, like we talked about earlier, that you have that gauge on there. Okay. And, and you mean pressure gauge? Correct, yes. Okay. Yeah, when I say gauge, that's what I mean. And one thing that... Uh, so I've seen different styles. I've seen where it's a closed system, meaning that there's no water running into it to keep a water supply, mm-hmm. which is you don't want. You want a closed system. Because if you have something that's always giving it water, you're not really not going to detect any minor leaks. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. It's like checking your tire pressures while you got a while you have air going into them. Yeah, you're not going to really know if it's dropping. So just make sure that you know you're checking that boiler room. Make sure you have a humidity gauge in there, and you have a pressure gauge on that uh, water lines or the water lines. Okay, so that's what people can do. Now, what about, um, you know, I think a lot of people, probably if you have radiant heat, you have an older home. And so I, you wrote what, Toxic Mold in My Old Home? Correct. Yep, yep. my second book that I wrote, um, it doesn't seem to do as well as some of the others, but, you know, it is what it is. It focuses on old homes. Not everybody has one. But yeah, I wrote that book, and... It goes over a lot of things, what you should be looking for mm-hmm. in an old home. Because, you know, some people are just like, well, I'm just used to an old home. This is normal. When I say this is normal, it could be squeaky floors or whatever, a leak somewhere. Well, that's, you know, squeaky floors versus a, a leak somewhere, two totally different things. Exactly. Squeaky floors kind of annoying, but it could be structural. A, a, a leak that happens all the time could cause mold concerns. Yeah. And structural concerns too. Absolutely. So reading that book will help them understand things they need to be on the lookout for. Exactly. And I do have, uh, I just found out a week or so ago that our latest book, Black Mold, of Mold, Black Mold Avoidance, is approved on Audible. So all four of my books are available in paperback, ebook, yep. and Audible. Perfect. They're all there. So you can go to Amazon. You can just type in, I would say type in, Toxic Mold in My Old Home, or The Mold Epidemic, and you should be able to pull up all the books by going to your author profile. That's great. Yep. There we go. All right. We will catch you on the next episode. Prevent toxic mold exposure before it gets in your home. Download Steve's free mold investigation checklist at tinyurl.com 
forward slash CNC mold checklist. Again, download Steve's free mold investigation checklist at tinyurl.com forward slash CNC mold checklist.